So I want to I begin this morning with a memory I have from when I was about 15 or 16. I was leaving church with my family, and as we were walking to the car, my mother asked us to, to pray for a friend of hers. She told us her friend was ill and that she, that she could use all the prayers that she could get. In that moment, I was struck by how odd this prayer request sounded. Actually, what the particular case of my mom's friend opened up for me was the whole question of the nature of prayer. For I thought, surely God knows that my mother's friend is ill. God did not need me to tell God that she was sick. And so I discerned prayer was not about informing God of anything that God did not already know. And so then I thought, is God reliant on being asked in order to make people better? Well, that struck me as deeply problematic because of what it said about God, right? For either God lacked the power alone to to heal, and thus God needed a little bit of extra goodwill that, that prayer brought about in order to make healing a reality, or God withheld that healing power until God was asked, which raised questions about God's goodness. I mean, if I refused to throw a life preserver to someone who was drowning until they asked me, (laughs) you might have good reason to question my character, right? Which is to say, all of this, all these thoughts flashing through my head, I was befuddled by the nature of prayer, and in that moment, felt like prayer made absolutely no sense at all. And with the arrogance of a, of a typical teenager, I believed that I had stumbled upon a truth that had eluded 2,000 years of thoughtful Christians. But I venture, I venture that my teenage self is not alone about these thoughts on prayer. Often people think of prayer as a dynamic between little old us and a big invisible deity. We might think of prayer as something that begins with us. We express a a desire or a need or a hope to a God who we might feel is either absent or disinterested. We make our appeal as if to an aloof king who has boundless riches at his fingertips, but who is waiting for us to ask in just the right way with the right kind of subservience before the king flips us a coin. And even Jesus can tell parables that that reinforce this image. For instance, one parable about prayer that that Jesus tells likens the, the one who prays to a person begging that a friend wake up and get out of bed in order to give him some bread. In the parable, the sleepy friend is hesitant, but Jesus advocates being persistent. Keep at it, Jesus tells his disciples. Keep praying. And yet, if what I have been describing 
is our conception of prayer, then how odd is it that we find Jesus at prayer this morning? In fact, Jesus spends the whole of the 17th chapter of John's gospel in prayer. It is the night before his crucifixion, and he is, he is gathered with his friends before his arrest. And even though he knows his time is short and that his hour is at hand, Jesus turns to prayer. Jesus speaks to the one whom he calls Abba, or Father, and he enters into conversation with God, praising God and asking God to glorify him. But mostly, mostly Jesus prays for those who believe in him. Jesus prays for their safety and their effectiveness in mission. And he prays that the believers might be one, as the Father and Jesus are one. But like I said, how odd is it that Jesus would be in prayer? If we, we hold to the vision of prayer that I described earlier, that is. For surely, Jesus of all people would not need to pray, right? John's gospel tells us that Jesus is the word become flesh. This word, we are told, was in the beginning. This word, we are told, was with God. And this word is God. John's gospel tells us all things came into being through this word, and the word became flesh to call the whole creation back into loving relationship with God. Why would this person, of all people, need to pray, therefore? And yet there Jesus is, praying. And I w- indeed, I would, I would posit it's not just here that Jesus prays. Jesus prays throughout the Gospels. There are moments all the time where he, he steals away for a bit of quiet to be alone with God in prayer. He prays with his disciples as well. But more than just those, those outward and visible moments of prayer, I want to say that Jesus' whole life was immersed in prayer. His whole life is a loving response to God. All of his, all of his works, all of the healings, all the times that he sits down and eats with outcasts and sinners, all of his teachings, all of them are in their own way a form of prayer. And when he goes to the cross and he suffers death, this too is a form of prayer. And when he is raised up and ascends to God, this is also prayer. His whole being is prayer. And in fact, one of the ways that we might think of the relationship between the the three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is to think of the dynamics of these relations as prayer itself. And thus, when Jesus prays for those gathered disciples, and indeed for everyone who will come to trust in him, to believe in him, that they might be one as uh, one with him as he is one, and one with one another as he is one with the Father, Jesus is calling them and calling us into this dynamic of prayer that exists from the beginning. 
And in this light, prayer isn't something that begins with us at all. Rather, prayer is something that has begun in God. And in that way, we never initiate prayer. Rather, our prayer is always and ever a response to what God has already begun in us. When we pray for another, God is drawing us into loving concern, into the loving concern that God already has for the one for whom we pray. God is inviting us to be at one with the other and at one with God through our loving concern expressed in prayer. And thus, our prayer does not change God. Rather, our prayer changes us. We are the ones transformed through prayer, not God. And what's more, God does not demand our prayer in order to make people well. But rather, in the mystery of God, God uses our prayer, uses our love for the well-being of another. For indeed, our love for that other does not begin in us either. Rather, the love we have one for another has its origins in the God who is love and from whom all love flows. And prayer, in this light, is the way that we come to live into the into union with God. It is the way that we come to live in one with this love. And when Jesus prays, as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. Or when Jesus prays, the glory that you have given me, I have given them so that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me. When Jesus prays these things, then Jesus is speaking of a reality that is greater than we can ever imagine and far more mysterious than we can ever conceive. Jesus is speaking of a mystical union that sits at the center of the life of God and thus at the center of our being, of our being, of the being of creation. And prayer, prayer is our way of coming to realize or coming to rest in or coming to simply be in this union that is God. It is in prayer that we come to participate in the relations of love that is God. And over time, it is in prayer that we come to know that we are indeed one with God. Amen.